Welcome to Talk 30 to Me, a show where we talk about the perspective of 30-somethings on life. My kid is an asshole. Love. Did I tell you about the girl? twice in a week. And the never-ending pursuit of fulfillment. My name is Anthony, but most people just call me Turd. And I'm Randy Z. Let's start the show. Here we go with another episode of Talk 30 to Me. Thanks for joining us, everybody. So... We have an interesting topic to discuss today, and you know what? We're going to forego the normal pleasantries and catching up and all that lovely stuff. And we're going to get right into it, because I think we have a very strong subject that will require a lot of time for us to cover, and a lot of attention to detail needed here. And you have a lot of strong opinions about it, too. I do, yeah, and we were talking a lot offline about this, so before we get too far into that, let's cut to the chase. All right, so what is the listener question? It starts off by saying, how difficult is it for a man to tell his father that his baby's son will not get circumcised because we are in a free country and times have changed? Should baby boys continue to be circumcised in the 21st century? How is having matching penises... And I don't know if that's the right pluralization of the word, but how is having matching penises make a man more manly and a better father? Okay, so we have two parts here. Should baby boys continue to be circumcised in the 21st century? Let's cover that first. Okay. All right. So from a traditional standpoint, what do you think? I mean, it's pretty simple, right? Usually if your father was circumcised, you're going to be circumcised. If your father was uncircumcised, then you're probably not circumcised. That's usually how things work. There are some outliers, like myself, where tradition was broken because my dad and the doctor were on the same page about having me circumcised. Okay. So essentially, they deviated because of uh, new knowledge that your parents weren't aware of, or your father in particular. I would say the knowledge of the time. And at that time, in the mid-'80s, it was believed that getting a circumcision was probably one of the best courses of actions for health and and wellness. And that was essentially the notion back in the 80s. And it's funny that you say that because a lot of my parents' decision was kind of, I guess, based off my father's preference to not get me circumcised. So I'm not circumcised. And that was... I guess you can say in a sense traditional because his father before him was not. And I'm guessing to the extent of my knowledge, um, everyone else wasn't, but I would be kind of extrapolating. And the nature of that is based on what they believed to be right, based on what they knew and what their knowledge revolved around. So it was a lot of linear trust. So you maintain tradition though, because you do have a son. Right, and I, I and I did, and that's basically where I kept that going. But on my end, I didn't just maintain tradition. I developed that opinion a little bit farther based off of a lot of the modern research that we have, right? So I didn't necessarily do it with tradition in the back of my mind, although it was a, I will say it was a predominant factor as to why I reached out and did a lot of the research that I did, but was deeply rooted in in the fact that you know my father wanted this for me and he didn't want any harm to come to me he didn't want me to suffer any pain he thought it was barbaric Hmm. and essentially 
it for all intensive purposes, it is pretty barbaric. Yeah. So do you feel if your father was circumcised and you were circumcised, would you have made the same decision? Oh, that's a good question. I'm not, I'm not sure. I, would I have made the same decision? It would depend on how strongly my father felt about it. Because when I found out about it, I think it was through my mother. My dad didn't tell me this himself. But my mother told me, your father did not want you to get circumcised because he felt like it was barbaric and it was not a tradition that our family had gone with. If it was the same scenario, but for the circumcision side, I probably would have gotten my son circumcised. Really? Even with all the information that's available on the topic? Yeah, I think I think so. I, I think I would have just because, um, you know, despite whether or not people want to admit it, their parents weigh a lot on their decision as new parents and as adults. And we live by their model, whether it's to make up for what they've done or to kind of perpetuate what they've done, right? In the positive or the negative. And I feel like despite all the research that I did, I was convinced that I wanted to do right by my father. And and it made sense to me. It was a more humanistic approach. Why not? I'm a very humanistic, humane rather, person. And I would go more on the, why would I inflict that kind of pain upon my son, my newborn son that was born to perfection? I mean, I understand that and that makes perfect sense. But there's also the um, perspective of, wanting to do always the complete opposite of what your parents did, right? And you being a rebellious soul of sorts. Of sorts? Of sorts. <laughs> uh, why wouldn't you have broken tradition then and gotten your son circumcised? I guess as I got older, and this is something that really goes into being in your 30s and seeing it from a different perspective, I felt almost compelled to be more in line with my parents' school of thought on this one. And I, I, and that's a great question. I think it came with age. Had I had a child in my early twenties or mid twenties, it might've been different. It might've been more on that rebellious side. So you had had a rebellious circumcision. Yes. I was like, fuck you. Wow. Cut. (laughs) Yeah. I would have done that shit myself. No, I don't know. I can't, I can't say that. It's really hard to look back and it's a difficult decision because you literally are inflicting pain on your child whether or not you're there come on you're cutting something off of a, a baby and you know I, it's funny because uh, i asked my mom about that too um whether i was they were present for when it happened and they said oh no they, they took you to another room to do the procedure so really we didn't, we didn't hear you screaming and crying uh when when the procedure happened wow so i think that also played a role like they made the decision and then i came back and they said, okay, well, this is, you know, this, this, this is the wound and you have to, you know, take care, take of, care it of it and, right. and how to, how to properly, uh, dress manage. it. And, yeah. There you go. Dress it and, and take care of it after the fact. That's interesting. So they were completely removed from the physical portion, but they had to deal with the aftermath. Right. And that's something that I've always wondered too, about the pain that's associated with it for the child. Now, a lot of people say that. You can't remember anything that young. Of course not. You can't. But you, your mind is building connections that help draw upon your later stage development. And who's to say that that early pain that, yeah, boom, you're born and you got circumcised. Who's to say that's not fucking you up from day one or day zero, I guess. 
Yeah, I, I get that. But then, you know, you could also think of traumatic experiences that you've had as an adult, like, you know, breaking a bone or, or whatever the case, maybe having surgery, recovering from surgery. And it was a very traumatic experience. But once you've gotten past it, it's almost like a repressed memory. You you, you, know, you have the soreness and aftermath, but the height of that pain is kind of kind of forgotten in, in some respects and, and until maybe like a trigger reminds yeah. you. Oh, and then you break down. Yeah imagine but i i think that's something that as adults we have more of a coping mechanism for that but as kids our brains automatically go to breaking down that pain as something that's just completely inconceivable you know what do you have to relate to that nothing you have no foundation for that that's pretty horrific oh it is absolutely but to help our listener a little more we decided actually we didn't you did <laughs> i took it upon myself right uh, you posted a question on Facebook to kind of, not to say stir the pot, but just kind of see where people stand with uh, the decision on to circumcise or not to circumcise their child. Right. So I was trying exactly what you said, not to stir the pot. I didn't want to engage in conversation. I really wanted to take a baseline and see where people stood. And surprisingly enough, it was pretty mixed. Oh, really? I thought you were trying to stir the pot. Kind of, but kind of not. Not I, As you noticed, I didn't really engage people in heated debate or conversation because I wanted to save that thought for here and I wanted to see what different people's perspectives were. Mm. So based on those perspectives, I think that I was able to develop a pretty formidable thought uh, as to why my opinion it was formed the way it was formed. And I'm sure you, you kind of looked through that conversation as well. I, what did you think? I did. And you know, this is something that I've actually never thought about and I haven't had to think about because I obviously don't have any children, let alone a son. So I haven't had to, you know, think about having to make this decision. So reading all the things that people were talking about, articles that they were posting and sharing, uh, it really made me question, like, well, what am I going to do? Because I'm incredibly conflicted because it's all hypothetical for me right now. So one thing I would pose for you would be to perform a little bit of introspective on yourself. What if you were the other way? What if you were opposite of what you are now? Okay. And... I've often thought about that too. I've looked at, you know, the other side of the argument from the perspective of, okay, if I was circumcised, would I feel entirely convinced that this is necessary? And I would have to say from a, a cultural standpoint, no, not necessary whatsoever. Culturally speaking. And that's primarily because, uh, are you, when you say cultural, are you talking about American culture? Or are you talking about, uh, like the, your your Arabic culture. Uh, okay, that's, that's a good point. I should clarify the Arabic culture, right? Because I do want to raise my child uh, in to be a cultural individual because I feel like the American culture is very deeply rooted in many other cultures. It's, that's the beauty of it, right? The mm -hmm. melting pot. So with that, a lot of the Christians in Arabic culture do not get circumcised. And they based their tradition based off religious precedent. And that I felt was interesting because, you know, in the Middle East, there's a lot of conflict. There's basically you got three religions at war. Well, two major ones. And then you got Christianity kind of in the background. And one of those things is that the Jewish faith revolves around circumcision, right? That's part of their right. religious tradition. The Islamic faith revolves around circumcision as well, coincidentally enough, uh, having a lot to do with 
um, basing their decisions off of uh, religious superiority. And the Christians were kind of the odd men out. They were like, nope, not for us. <laughs> we're good. You know? And I thought that was kind of interesting, too, when I learned about that. And in the Middle East, I came to learn with a few offline conversations with uh, childhood friends of mine that um, that was a way that they would distinguish between the uh, Gentiles and the Jews, the circumcision. He's using air quotes there. Uh, I am using air quotes. Gentiles. Yeah, I guess it's just anyone that's non-Jewish. And when you look at it from that perspective... That makes a lot more sense why, traditionally speaking, I am not circumcised. But in what context do they need to distinguish by how a penis looks, whether it's circumcised or uncircumcised? I don't know. Back then, I guess it would be more for a selection process. Like, oh, you can't date someone that's that's Christian. And for a Christian, you can't date someone that's Jewish. So if they have a circumcised penis and you're Jewish, good to go. Maybe that's what that's where my head goes, but maybe he goes beyond that. I don't know. I, you know what I thought about immediately was that uh, Dave Chappelle skit. Uh-huh. All right, lift your sack and spread your cheeks. Like. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that actually has a lot of uh, that has a lot of precedent in the in the way that opinions and knowledge was formed, and religion played a lot into that, right? And I feel like if it really wasn't if this decision wasn't really rooted in religion for a lot of people. So in way, in some way, shape or form that they wouldn't really have a strong opinion about it, that they would go more on the medical side. And a lot of people like to say, Oh, well it's religious, but here you go. Here's a medical reason. Mm-hmm. Okay. Move an agenda essentially. Yeah. So yeah. How does that justify your religious agenda any more than you stating a fucking opinion? Because in essence, Every medical journal I've read, and I'm sure you've done a little bit of research too. Not as in depth. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I'll explain why in a little bit. I've done so much. Um, Every journal that I've read kind of says that, meh, it's 50-50. But in the end, it's based on your personal preference. Mm. And personal preference kind of reverts back to religious preference, which is weird. For a lot of people, not a whole lot of people. I was going to say, not really, because usually when you get to a point in any any aspect of your life and you can't explain things or you struggle with the decision, you revert back to uh, usually uh, your religious belief system to help you make a decision. Faith. Faith, yeah. Yeah. So the reason why I did a lot of research was based off of that post that I made public on my Facebook page, I actually got an out-of-network message from a registered nurse out in Illinois that gave me an interesting perspective as to why she is so vehemently opposed to circumcision to the point where she is an activist in intactivism. Intactivism. Wait, what is... Intactivism is kind of like a play on words for keeping yourself... foreskin intact. The foreskin intact, right? (laughs) And being an activist for the intact penis. Wow. So there is a term out there, and I urge you guys to Google it because it is very interesting once you do. But she actually shot me a message with her reason as to why she chose not circumcising her son and how her husband was actually vehemently opposed to her stance. 
where she had to put her foot down and say, you know what? Fuck this. Our son is not getting circumcised and here's why. And as a nurse, she had to go through all that. She had to witness the pain. She had to witness the suffering of those kids, even though they were anesthetized, which is basically numbing the tip of the penis before you cut it. They still endured that pain. And this has no religious context now. You know, this is from her medical perspective. I do not want my child circumcised. Wow. That's, I mean, that's deep to be able to, it wasn't even her child and she just witnessing the procedure was enough to turn her off to it. And for whatever reason. So imagine if your parents were in the room. Okay. I mean, it, it might be, well, I mean, someone actually said that on, on, on your thread that uh, there was a, a feeling of immediate regret once uh, the procedure started and, and the shriek of, of his son came out he just immediately regretted his decision yeah i think that was actually one of my students from don bosco relating the story about his father to his own circumcision and that was that was interesting i thought that was very brave of him to say first off and i I really want to say thanks to everyone that participated in the conversation because it takes a lot to talk about this it's a very uncomfortable topic to be discussing but that's why we're talking about it but to go back to that is it puts a more human touch to the whole thing. And that's where I think religion fails in addressing that element in the, in the sense that if God created us in his own image and in Genesis, it states that God created man and man is good. Why do we need to alter that? We shouldn't need to change that, right? Theoretically, theoretically, but people always go off and they do what? I mean, the human component of interpretation, that's always the downfall of most religion. Yeah, and essentially that's what that's what's going on. I mean, people take this and they say, oh, well, you know what? Because the Bible said it, I have to do it. How does that make any sense? Just because a book said something, you have to do it. We're in the 21st century, are we not? Uh, let me, ch- uh, yes. You have to pull up your calendar, though, and verify. Make sure. Hold on, sometimes hold on. Hold on. I was going to touch my computer and I remember I'm recording. So I decided not to do that just for the sound bite. (laughs) There it is. That's what I wanted. (laughs) But anyway, we are in the fucking 21st century. Okay. Tell me, religion really play a big role nowadays in in a majority of our lives? I don't know. I I really don't. I mean, I don't know a whole lot of religious people. I know maybe one. Like d- devout Christian or devout, like blindly devout, yeah, right. yeah, no, not so much. A lot of people are are socially liberal with with a lot of their their beliefs, but still have strong beliefs in their faith, but just accept and adhere to the ones that they feel are applicable to to life today. Yeah, I, I can't really see how circumcision is applicable to life today with all the information that we have. I mean, it's kind of tough. I mean, okay, well. There are some outliers. I have heard stories of people. Well, I knew one person who at four years old had to get a circumcision because of issues with not being able to pull the foreskin all the way back and having trouble urinating. So that I feel getting the circumcision at four is far more traumatic than getting it uh, at four hours old. Yeah, no, I, I would disagree. I would rather, I would agree there. Yeah, absolutely. And then I've also heard stories of of, of guys getting it 
uh, in their 20s. Um, I do not remember or know the the details of whether it was aesthetic or, or health reason. But getting it done in your 20s is, is a far different type of perspective and, and approach. I would assume that it's more so medical driven because I, I don't know who'd want to put themselves to that kind of pain unless you're trying to fit someone else's ideal vision of what a penis should look like. Well, here's the, here's the throwback on this one. There is penile uh, reconstruction for those that have been circumcised to get the foreskin reattached. No. Re- you serious? Yes. Oh, my immediate question is like, where does that skin come from? You know what? I, I never, I, I didn't really look into that actually. I just thought it was the most intriguing thing, but I'd imagine since your skin can actually be regrown. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Um, they're just grafting. Yeah. Basically taking it from one part of your body to the other. Is it as sensitive? I don't know. I would think it would have to come from like somewhere like the inner thigh. Oh, okay. Right. That, that would make sense. For yeah. Nerve ending. Oh, I, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, yeah. we're not medical professionals anyways. And before we go any further, we should probably say <laughs> that we are not in fact medical professionals. This is purely a uh, opinion and sharing of our own experiences. So with that, uh, you take everything that we say with a grain of salt, do your due diligence, and do your own research. But there is plenty of research out there. And if you want any of this information that we have sourced, we will definitely throw it up on our blog and reference that and look into it. We'll put both sides of the argument. We don't shy away from being kind of you know willing to provide you with the data and you make sense of it what you will. But these are, like Randy mentioned, our opinions. And we're going to stand by them. And going into more of the religious thing around it, I, I'm actually intrigued that a lot of Americans don't make decisions based on religious. Uh, oh, yeah. No. Well, in one of the articles that I read, I saw that um, uh, uh, the U.S. is one of the only countries to practice circumcision without any type of religious bias. It's just a, more of a common practice, preference based, really. So to piggyback off that, I think the research stemmed from the CDC and the American Academy of Pediatrics. At least that's one of the journals that I read. Those are the two predominant bodies that release publications on this type of stuff. And the CDC is obviously recognized as one of the foremost authorities. And I use air quotes for that because... A lot of what they say is sometimes like, what the fuck? <laughs> On uh, all all things chemical and health related. I thought you were about to say all things considered. All things, yeah, right. And the uh, American Academy of Pediatrics is actually a, a pretty reputable organization for a lot of the research on children, infants in particular. So I thought that that was actually pretty interesting that they are in favor of circumcision as a completely... Um, non-religious medical benefit. It is a value added and paraphrasing here, a value added procedure that will help save cost. They're looking at it from a cost standpoint. Cost of what? Health, addressing health issues um, that stem from non-circumcised penis. Interesting. Okay, so they state that there are about a handful of, uh, you know, pretty substantial diseases like UTIs and inflammation and 
all these things that you can get by not being circumcised. And just by getting circumcised, you're saving money because the hospitals and insurance companies don't have to deal with all that bullshit that come all the bullshit that comes with the uncircumcised penis. Huh, I never would have guessed those things were correlated. So guess what? Hmm. A lot of the other countries are looking into this and using our research to say, well, if um, the Americans believe it, then we believe it too. I, I don't know how I feel about that. I don't either. I, I mean, we didn't, it doesn't sound like we did a whole lot of research into it. And I don't think we're really addressing the root cause by saying, Hey, just cut the tip off. That's fine. It's, <laughs> it, it's probably better than paying a lot of money down the road. Well, here you go. At what point is that just lack of education on maintenance for a penis? That's perfect. Because I know what you go to the doctor, how many times when you're an infant. So after my procedure, a lot, a lot. right. After my procedure, I had to go back like a couple of days later to, to have them inspect my, uh, uh, incision or whatever. Yeah. And they had to teach my mom that you need to pull it, the foreskin all the way back and clean the penis and the, the whole nine, which is something that she just didn't know. She didn't know that stuff. So, I, I would assume that it, you know if there's a lack of knowledge on proper care and and maintenance, I guess we'll call it. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's going to lead to issues more so than the fact that it would be uh, a circumcision versus uncircumcision. Yeah, and I think that would be addressing the root cause, raising public awareness, and to the effect of you know in your sex ed class. I don't know if this happened to you, but when I was growing up. They actually separated the boys and the girls for about a few hours to talk to the girls about their menstrual cycle, their hormonal changes, their growth and development, right? I don't remember being separated. And I remember a lot more of the focus was on the reproductive system and process than it was on, on hygiene or which I don't I don't know if that sex has would cover, cover hygiene or if it's supposed to. It. In my opinion, it should. I don't know if it covered it for males, but I know for the females, there was some component of it that we weren't allowed to kind of be a part of for whatever reason. But I do remember that, huh. and I thought it was odd. And I'm only assuming that's what was discussed because I don't have any concrete evidence, but it would make sense okay. that if you're separating the females, you're talking about very sensitive you know, issues that you don't, you might not want the males to find out about because, fuck, you're in fifth grade, and people are probably going to make fun of you for it. Right. Right. Because we're fucking stupid kids. Yeah. And that's what we are at that age. But if we have factored in that component or not, it should be there. I think mm -hmm. we're both in agreement there. And if it's there, you might as well factor in the male component. Hey, by the way, there are two different types of dicks. This dick and this dick and show fucking picture. Hmm. You know, Raise awareness. Why not? I don't. I don't even know when I when I learned that there was an option to be different in that regard. I don't I don't know when that became like a oh yeah you know it's either you're circumcised or you're not circumcised. I think I learned pretty young. I think I learned pretty young, and that was just probably like casual conversation. Yeah, I don't. I really don't remember. But I remember being shy. Like okay, in in like fifth or sixth grade when I was playing basketball and we would all get changed in the bathroom, I remembered being kind of shy about showing my dick. Well, I think that's just human nature and, and kids in, in youth. Being no one, insecure. Yeah, no one is out there trying to like show their, show their uh, what's the word? Schlong. Their morning glory. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that goes with um, 
the whole thing about sex ed and, and what the root of sex ed should be. And this might make the conversations for generations to come easier if we just be more forthcoming about that information and be more forthcoming about, hey, this is what you are. Why would you ever teach a child to be ashamed of their bodies either way, right? Yeah, I mean, the self-esteem you develop as as a child definitely influences your perspective of yourself as an adult. Yeah, I believe it really does. And a lot of people might not be able to cope with those challenges growing up, primarily because they've been scarred or maybe not scarred, but off-put by something in their in their earlier years, and they're not comfortable with being able to adapt as they grow older because they might not have afforded themselves the opportunity just based on their own personal reservations. You know, going back to your Facebook post, it reminds me of one of the comments where the gentleman said uh, he regrets having his son circumcised and he wishes he wasn't circumcised. Right, right. Which I thought was, not to say it's kind of odd, but it's, it's kind of one of those things that I, I've never thought that or had that kind of thought process. And that's exactly what the common misconception is, that it's a social norm, it's a social procedure, we just have to wing it and, and do it. And you know, it's interesting that the listener who submitted the question actually submitted a website to go along with the question. And the website was a Celebrities Against Circumcision <laughs> post. And it was off Organic Lifestyle Magazine. Uh, com. And the conversations are interesting that they have on there because they're essentially taking snippets from a bunch of celebrities quoting their stance on circumcision. So you have like Alicia Silverstone, Mario Lopez, Craig Ferguson, Howard Stern. I, I thought that these were some very interesting names. The top two prominent figures being Howard Stern and Joe Rogan that were on it. And I want to take a moment to kind of give their perspective. And they're vehemently opposed. So let me kind of preface this with it's going to be very one-sided, but here's why. The whole context behind this is you're a man and you're living in a world with man-made constructs, just like religion. Mm -hmm. Okay, Circumcision is, by the by, a man-made construct. Right. If we all understand that religion has been distilled down to some point where man has manipulated it enough to kind of remove the mysticism from it or maybe even add some by way of their desire to manipulate the their agenda, right? Whatever that may be. Whatever your opinion on that, whatever. I don't care. That's my opinion. Religion being man-made, circumcision, by the by, is man-made. Howard Stern says, I'm circumcised and I tell you something. I despise it. I despise it. I despised it. I rue the day my parents mutilated me. And Joe Rogan goes a little bit more in depth to say, you know what? It's a weird fucking tradition that we need to end. People get really bad infections. It's not, it's not completely innocuous. Kids have lost their penises because of circumcision. It's not common. Rue the day, though. So that was interesting that Howard Stern said that. I mean, it's a big regret for him. And that... that individual that posted on my Facebook feed, he's not the only one. There are other people. This is this is a bad thing when you have a Jew in Howard Stern, right? Mm -hmm. Saying that, you know what? Fuck this. This is man-made, essentially. It's what he says. And it's barbaric. 
you're mutilating yourself. So as an adult, to go back and say that, now, would you get the reconstructive surgery? You know, if you were in that position, if you really like thought about it and you said, you know what? My parents fucked me over. They made the, the decision for me. Yeah, but I mean, getting the reconstructive surgery is not really fixing anything. It's more so uh, for aesthetic purposes at that point. I guess in in a sense, yeah. Uh, okay, well, let, look at it in the sense of when you when you have a penis that's circumcised, it's going to be a little more desensitized uh, in the senses, especially with sexual pleasure and all that stuff, right? Right. If you've had a circumcised penis for the last 25 years, let's just say a solid amount, right? So okay. time. And then you get the, 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 fork, for, the foreskin reconstruction. Yeah, yeah. Is that going to bring back the sensitivity? I think over time it might. I'm not sure. Because as I said that, then I thought, I was like, well, you know, the human body can regenerate and it can probably fix it does. itself. Yeah, it could regenerate those nerve endings very, very much. Yeah. Mm. And I believe that, I mean, yeah, after a while... Let's say you've uh, burnt your fingertip, right? Right. And you lose a feeling in your fingertip over over time, um, and it's a really bad burn. Let's let's call it a pretty substantial burn, and then it heals. You will regain that over some time. It might take a few years, but I think that's very possible. But here you go from the medical perspective. What's the benefit to putting the circumcised or uh, to to putting the foreskin back on? Rather, mm-hmm. where's the medical benefit in that? Maybe it's just kind of like a fuck you, you know what? I get to make this decision. Right. It's more of a self empowerment thing. You know, my my second thought with with that would be how does it change sex for the partner? Um, okay. And and does it change it at all? Uh, I actually reached out to a few of my female friends and asked them about their experiences with with men with a circumcised penis and an uncircumcised penis, and if it was any type of difference. Um, but for the most part, it just came down to more so preference from the women, not so much any real big difference during intercourse. Yeah, I think uh, talking to a good cross-section of women myself, too, that, that were either married or single, it went 50-50 for them as well. It wasn't really based on anything other than, you know what, I had a partner that was really good, and it could have just been circumstantial. He had a non-circumcised penis, mm-hmm. or he had a circumcised penis. It might not really relate to whether or not you have that. You know, you can have either or. And hey, guess what, ladies? A man with a circumcised or with an uncircumcised penis, rather, could do both. You know, because you have to. Uh, in most regards, uh, the foreskin is very elastic because mm-hmm. it is skin. It does stretch, and we do need to, you know, service that region to make sure that it's clean. Mm-hmm. Right, as all uh, hygienic males will do that are uncircumcised, they need to, you know, pull that shit back. Yeah, just be blunt about it, you right. know. And we have to clean, so that happens during sex as well. And that's just the nature of it, right? So we can play both roles essentially if you really know how to play. It and you're an uncircumcised <laughs> dude, you can. Hey, look, I'm versatile, ladies. I can. Wow. <laughs> I'm a switch hitter. <laughs> this guy. I think that means something different, but I'll let you have it. <laughs> it sure does. <laughs> Maybe the wrong analogy there, but there is that common misconception with women that a circumcised penis is what cleaner, right? Yeah, I, I, I seemingly more hygienic. Um, 
And is it is it supposed to be less prone to diseases? Uh, apparently, right? I don't know how that works. Okay, so here Joe Rogan goes on another rant about that. And he says, it's a gross thing, isn't it, man? It's a weird thing that people still cut babies' dicks. There's no logic to it at all. No science. All that nonsense about stopping AIDS, go fuck yourself. You're not stopping AIDS by cutting dicks. By the way, you're not getting AIDS from not washing your dick. I thought that was actually pretty funny. Because you really aren't getting AIDS from AIDS goes through the fucking hole in the penis, and that doesn't go away whether or not you're circumcised. That's a sexually transmitted disease yeah. or uh, infection, I guess. And HIV is, is, okay, you have a cut on your arm, you're getting HIV. Well, what resembles a cut on your arm? Any open orifice, right? Any open orifice. And that means whether or not you're circumcised, you can fucking get AIDS. As a matter of fact, I think you stand less of a chance of getting AIDS if you have a hood on your fucking dick because that almost acts like a condom to some extent. <laughs> a little barrier? A little protection. barrier. Not even. That's stupid. That's even stupid fucking for me to think. But at the same time, it's stupid for someone to think that, hey, I'm not going to get AIDS because I'm fucking circumcised. Yeah. How does that fucking make sense? It's nonsense. And there's nothing to back that up whatsoever. And anybody that says you're more disease prone because you're uncircumcised, what the fuck? Pull your shit back and wash your dick, and in the end, you're the same as a non as a circumcised fucking dick. You know, you say that and it reminds me of a story. I have a friend who used to date somebody um, who they were never sexually active because uh, for I, I think abstaining from sex or something like that. Anyway. Um, uh, part of part of his reasoning was it was rooted in in the pain he got when he got an erection. Okay, and the, which reminds me of of the other person I knew that had you know had issues with urination because of the, the foreskin being too tight. That would be one of the scenarios where either a getting a a circumcision in later in life might be an option because if if there's pain and it makes you want to abstain from sex because you want to avoid the pain, right? That might be something as to, you know, why. Yeah, that's kind of fucked up. I, I can see that. Or it could have been an issue with, like, hygiene, and they, he just didn't properly, you know, pull his foreskin back and stretch it out. Like, But I don't know. I don't know the details of it. There's a lot of ambiguity there, but at the same time, look, I'll pose this example, and we can go through it real quick because it makes way too much sense. Skin, and I've already said this, is elastic. Okay? I've actually expanded my earlobes right and upon expanding my earlobes i learned something very interesting about the human body is one your skin will go as far as you want it to go without breaking there are people that get their earlobes expanded to like four inches some ridiculous yeah and i didn't go that extreme but your skin will actually regenerate it will actually go back to almost normal if you don't stretch it out Okay, so over time, I went from a pretty big, I think, like 13 to 14 millimeter hole to now I'm I'm down to almost nothing. Right. Really? Yeah. And that's very interesting for me. I learned that about myself. You know, it's one thing to read it in a book. It's another thing to actually live it. So I lived that. And what you're telling me right now is one thing comes to mind, probably did not 
exercise that stretch it out to give it that elasticity that it needs. Mm-hmm. And that's a critical part about being uncircumcised. And you know what? Maybe a lot of women have found uncircumcised men to be repulsive because they don't know. They're not educated enough. Oh, that's an interesting uh, take on that. Right? Because they, they've gone through life and they've m- maybe never talked about it with their fathers or it's awkward for them or it's just too painful. Yeah, I don't think this would be any type of fireside chat or dinner time uh, hey, Dad. topics. <laughs> By the way, does your penis hurt when you get an erection? I, I mean, why not, though? You know, And maybe it's our cultural aversion to talking about these things, going back to the whole sex ed and making kids feel more ashamed than helping them become empowered and and active about their body. I mean, women are really good about, you know, activism and spreading their empowerment via their breasts and their vaginas and all that. Mm -hmm. That's great. I think men need that same empowerment by being knowledgeable about their bodies. And that's where I think that we can derive our empowerment from not by overbear being overbearing sexually or be overcompensating by knowing our bodies, by being comfortable with masturbation and hygiene and grooming and all that and being able to talk about it. All normal parts of life that are seemingly taboo in, you know, greater society. Absolutely. How do you feel about that? I think I think you're absolutely right. Um, because there there wasn't there isn't a lot of conversation that happens with with how to take care of yourself or uh I, I can understand why, because it is kind of awkward. It's just like, you know, are you going to go up to, hey, Turk, so uh, how do you clean your penis? You know uh, what I mean? It's, it's well, not, I mean, that's an extreme example. Yeah. But, you know. Not if we're drunk. <laughs> and then it's just common. It's like, oh, yeah, no, I I don't use soap because soap is probably bad because if I don't clean it well. No, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I will say that conversations about circumcision or uncircumcision are more common than you would think between men i don't know i i personally haven't had a whole lot of them um i think again it, it's one of those things where it's kind of taboo it's not it's not discussed as openly as it should be and that's a problem and even okay here we go between men and women mm. it's not discussed openly because on this celebrity website and i mean this thing is great it's celebrities against circumcision and it's off of organic Mario Lopez and his wife had a falling out because they didn't want to discuss it. And it was kind of like the elephant in the room that kind of boiled over. And apparently they had some show and they posted the dialogue of the show of of what transpired. And I thought it was interesting that even, uh, you know, for high profile celebrities who seemingly got their shit together, which is the illusion that they are great at giving, there are issues there. You know, and these are big social issues that just aren't addressed between man and man and wife. Yeah, I think I've. I don't know that I've had conversations with women where they ask me, "Are you circumcised or uncircumcised?" And it's in a, uh, like a uh, hygienic concern. It's well, it's because you know if if some women might be more reluctant to pursue a man because of. Uh, whether he's circumcised or uncircumcised, I haven't had that conversation or it's never come up. You think you'll get there when you start kind of having the baby making conversations? I I don't know. I think it's kind of one of those natural things that just kind of happens. 
or maybe not. Maybe, maybe not actually. Maybe that's a problem. Maybe that is the problem that the conversation is not happening. But I was I was saying that in in reference to uh, like dating pool and and women selecting men or oh. wanting to be with men based off of whether they're circumcised or uncircumcised. So let me pitch you this. Okay. If a chick went up to you and you were really serious in the relationship and you you, you probably had her on your like your inches away from no pun intended <laughs> from getting married right mm-hmm. from engage from proposing and she said you know what um i i have to be honest with you i'm not feeling your dick whoa but it's not that the love making is bad i'm just used to this kind of dick and you don't have this kind of dick like visually uh visually aesthetically or, or, or it could be pleasure wise i don't know every woman you know has a different you know shape and she says i want you to do something about it or how would you feel not i want you to do something about it but she poses a question how would you feel about maybe changing that and look there's no wrong answer she says we can role play a little bit maybe (laughs) no (laughs) (laughs) randy i want you to cut your fucking foreskin (laughs) off anyway um and she poses the question how would you feel about this what would that do to the relationship for you I mean, my immediate question would be like, why? You know, if if there is some type of uh, real deep-rooted issue or concern, I'd rather have open dialogue and conversation about it and uh, address any issues that, that she may be concerned about. But for the most part, if she if she is just hell-bent on me adjusting myself or changing myself or uh, what's what's the word? I was going to say amend, but it's not amend. <laughs> um, I... Mm massacre massacre i would i would probably be more inclined to end things rather than subject myself to some pain like that but i mean that's me saying this as uh a hypothetical that has no emotional ties yeah that's very true it's hard to put yourself in that but here you go i posed it with an emotional tie in in situ yeah i know it was someone i was gonna marry right you were borderline marrying this girl and you would just end it. But you know, you know my pedigree, and I've been borderline marrying the last like how many girls I've dated. <laughs> Too fucking Shay. Too fucking Shay. And that's the thing here. It's very difficult, but I can I can definitely see you going that route and ending it. Oh, I thought you're gonna say you see me doing something else. <laughs> you no, know, actually mutilating yourself and going yeah. through with it. I don't think you'd. I don't think you're that weak willed, quite honestly. But there, that's not to say that there aren't other men that would do that. And, you know, some women, just based on sheer ignorance of the of the topic, would say, you know what, it's cleaner. I don't want that shit inside of me. It's healthier. I don't want any diseases that you might have because of that shit. And it just goes, that whole open dialogue thing, you know? It's that, it's that thing where you're essentially deciding for someone else. Again, you're not letting them make their own decision by living out what they currently are living out you're manipulating the situation and whether it's a parent choosing for their child or a spouse choosing for their significant other, I don't think that's necessarily the right approach either way, but there are women that do pose these kinds of questions. And I think that's fucked up, you know, for if you love your man, you love him for what he got. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, just because your man got what he got, doesn't mean your kid has to get what you get. So here we go with another stone on the stepping stone toward 
the conversation about dicks, okay, uh, this listener posed a question, does daddy or does child have to look like daddy? I mean, that goes back to tradition because after a certain point of, of time when uh, circumcision was performed out of necessity or what they required for uh, health benefits, I guess you could say, or alleged alleged uh, health reasons became more so, well, there's no real reasoning behind it other than I'm circumcised, so my son will be circumcised. And you just continue the... Uh, Tradition? Yeah. So is it kind of like a rite of passage, like... A hazing kind of thing, like fuck you. You know what? If I had to, if I have to live with this, you have to too. I guess that's kind of fucked up. And I and guess. you know what? One of my one of my childhood friends told me the same thing uh, about about her stance uh, on it because her husband is in fact circumcised, and she feels that that's the right way to go because her husband is circumcised. And you know what? I didn't I didn't feel the need to really express my opinion on the matter at the time, but I will now. Because this is my forum. <laughs> Please proceed. I think that's bullshit. Why? Absolute bullshit. Because one, religion does not dictate shit. And in her case, she based her decision a little loosely on, on religion. And on the other side is just because your husband has it means your kid has to have it? What kind of fucked up twisted logic is that? I mean, tradition is what? is nothing in the end because again we live in the 21st fucking century where you have so much access to knowledge and information to make an informed decision that goes beyond that transcends tradition only to come back and say no you know what it's not based on anything other than tradition there's really no grounds to stand on there's no grounds for it at all I mean, look, for fuck's sake, Columbus Day is pretty much gone as far as most Americans are concerned. Indigenous Peoples Day. Thanksgiving is really only there because it's an excuse for families to get together. But do we really celebrate the nature of Thanksgiving? No. Mm -mm. So we're really looking at tradition and scrutinizing tradition now as a society. And it's coming down to that point where we're becoming a little bit more aware that there are other options other than the ones that we've been told are correct. Yet for people to come back and throw it full circle and say, uh, this is pretty much just based on past practice, that pisses me off like no other man. Really? Oh, it does. I didn't know you were so passionate about that. I really am. When people throw past practices at me or anything, even at work, I look at them with that, like, are you fucking kidding me look? But in all professional, you know, <laughs> courtesy of the matter. But anyway, getting back to this, it's really a what the fuck are you thinking look on my mm-hmm. face when, when I was having that conversation. And she's not the only one. Yeah. She's not. There are a lot of them out there. Surprisingly, this is a huge topic. I didn't know that there would be so much uh, discussion around it. And there is, and that's the the fact of the matter is because of the lack of information and the lack of knowledge that a lot of people maintain Mm -hmm. and that ignorance that people proliferate based on tradition and culture and religion and all this bullshit that's not really rooted in anything other than past practice, Mm -hmm. it 
still rages on and it rages on for no reason other than no one's really got a good fucking answer. So in my opinion, you can do whatever the fuck you want with your kid, but know this, your kid's going to be in a lot of fucking pain, whether or not you're there. And do you want your kid to go through that? That's fucked up. Like we said before, you're born whole in God's image. Okay. From a religious standpoint, from a human standpoint, you're born whole, a beautiful, perfect being only to go in there and have man intervene and say, nope, not yet. We're going to cause you to go through a little bit more here. I don't know. It just sounds inhumane to me. Anyone with a fucking brain or a heart would say, you know what? That's kind of fucked up. Why? Just because my husband or just because religion or just because my father's father's father. Why? I mean, I have to come with the other side and, and say, what if your son happens to be one of the few that does have complications later? You know, not not by putting anything on you, like personally with your kid and how you're, you know, no, no, raising he, or anything, but just, just if he happens to be the one that, you know, come four years old, he's struggling to pee because he cannot pull his foreskin back. You know, what if that happens and then he has to go and have circumcision because it's a necessary practice. But I will know I can do... I will do everything in my power to make sure that my child has the opportunity to exhaust every avenue to get that corrected prior to the last resort. And for all the medical professionals out there that just say, you know what, let's just take the easy route. Fuck you. (laughs) Go fuck yourselves. Go eat shit and die. And I mean that with love. And here's why. You are educated enough to know and responsible enough to know as a medical professional that there are other options, that there are alternative methods of reaching the same conclusion. Why just cut it off? Because that's easier? Because that's less painful? You know what? It could be equally as painful. So if you take that pain and you borrow it or or you, you say, okay, instead of this pain in this direction, we'll take the same amount of pain and go another route with it and have a resolution and then teach you that, hey, this is how you have to work with it. I think that's better in the end. Do you not? I don't know. It's more I, humane. Uh, seemingly, in, in theory, it's more humane. But what if it's just not a possibility? In the same light, how many deaths have there been due to complications uh, revolving around circumcision? <laughs> I really don't know. There, there that, have been quite a few. Is there a, a significant amount? There, there was at one point in time before medical sterilization became a prevalent thing. And we're talking, this is fairly recent, mind you, right? In 1900s recent. I was going to say, I mean, that has to be early 1900s and if that was anything. I'd say even beyond World War II, I'd say like 1930s, 1940s, because it wasn't until then, because they were still having surgery in like wherever. <laughs> um, Even, you know, I think it was World War II where they kind of got a little bit more. And believe it or not, big tangent, wars played a big factor in medical advancements. I thought you were going to say circumcision. Probably that too, because that caused a lot of births. Anyways, <laughs> baby boomers after World War II, right? Anyway, with the advances in medical sterilization, I'm assuming that's related to circumcision went down, but you had essentially an open wound on a newborn's dick who was shitting and pissing all over themselves in a diaper for all intents and purposes, right? Mm-hmm. And that could get infected. Right. And if you're uncircumcised, you can get a UTI. 
I mean, if you're circumcised, if, you can get if a you're UTI. circumcised, you can get a UTI. It's the same thing, right? Right. But I'm I'm almost confident there were quite a few deaths based on my research uh, due to circumcision and complications with circumcision. Not only that, but like sexually transmitted diseases due to circumcisions, due for for, for whatever reason, unclean you know utensils and all that, whatever. I'm sure there were out there and I'm sure now they're less. And now the debate rages on based on what, you know, just past practices, past practices. And that's kind of unfortunate. I mean, the health benefits aren't even conclusive for or against. Mm -hmm. And I, I think going back to just the humane side of it, it's just wrong. You know, I, I, I see where you're coming from, but I, I can't say that I'm 100% against it. I just don't know where I stand. I don't know if my perspective will change when I have kids and 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 that feeling of like not wanting to put the kid through that kind of pain or, or you know, go through with it. I really don't know. But I think that's – and that's fine. That's totally for you to decide – based on your opinion, hopefully formed, formed around a decent amount of research and some knowledge for or against. And that's all it really takes. Look, we're not saying, again, we're not sitting here telling you what we believe is what you should believe. But you know what? If you want to believe that's what we're trying to fucking say and, and spread our agenda to, to you at home listening to our podcast or in the car or wherever you are, you know what? Sorry. That's not what we're intending on doing. And that's a fucked up nature of this world is that people think that by talking about these things, we're taking a stance, educate yourselves first, and then, and then say that we're trying to propagate you with, with negative information. So going back and, and finally bringing all this full circle, our listener had one final question that we didn't really address because we wanted to build up everything that we felt and stood for till this point. So how difficult is it for a man to tell his father that his son will not get circumcised? I think it's fairly difficult because if we're putting all our cards on the table, this is the second time we've had to record this episode because it was very difficult to have this conversation. It, it is. This has probably been the most overproduced episode that we've ever made. Mm-hmm. Just because there's so much controversy surrounding this. And we wanted to make sure that we got it right for our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. But that doesn't change the fact that it's it's uncomfortable. It's an uncomfortable conversation to have with, with anyone, peers or parents. And, you know, there's a lot of emotional implications that go with this. There's There could be a huge falling off between father and son. Uh, the father could shun the son and say, you know what? I don't want you in my life anymore. Or the father could be completely accepting if the son approaches it in the right way. Depending on religious values, I would assume. if they're... I'm assuming there's a little bit of religion. The listener doesn't really allude to that. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean there isn't some kind of implication there. We actually don't even know if the listener is male or female, so... Yeah, it's very ambiguous. There wasn't a name attached to it, so it's very anonymous. But it is that way for a reason. That's perfectly fine. Yeah, This gives us the creative license to, to kind of approach it from both sides, which we did. 
And for me, thinking about projecting that on my own situation with my father, I would say that if I had to tell my father that, okay, the exact opposite, that I was in fact getting my son circumcised, I think my father would actually be offended by that because he was so vehemently opposed to circumcision. But for you, what do you think? Because it sounded like your parents were kind of, eh. Yeah, they they were. Well, my mom was was indifferent about it. She didn't really have an opinion. Uh, my dad was the one that was really for it. So I don't I don't know where I stand. I actually haven't had the conversation with my dad. So I guess when if and when I'm blessed with a son, which I have a feeling I won't be. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, I think you will. I think you'll be fine. Um, I guess we'll have the conversation then. But. Yeah, I, don't, I really don't know where I stand with it, man. I'm very, uh, I'm still up in the air. So I think for a fact, we're both in agreement that we have to have a follow-up conversation on this topic. Yes, and I think it would be interesting if we brought in uh, some other people to, to comment on this. Preferably female, I'd imagine. And I, I wouldn't be averse to having a panel of maybe females and males, but yeah. mostly females, I think. Maybe a nice little uh, town hall meeting. No, I'm playing. Uh, oh, but yeah, it's getting panel. out of control. <laughs> <laughs> but a, a panel would be good just to have a, a good a wide variety of people and perspectives. So on that note, if you guys are interested in this topic and if you, you have some kind of an opinion, strong or weak or indifferent or have developed an opinion after this, reach out to us. Let us know. Drop us a line and we will consider having you on the show. We're also going to reach out to some very qualified individuals as well to kind of give it some balance. So we'll see where this takes us. And if you guys have any input on this, go ahead and reach out and let your voice be heard on social media, on our website, wherever you can find us. And Tarek, where can the people find you? You guys can find me at Turg Says No on Twitter and Instagram. Please feel free to reach out at me there. And Randy, how about you? You can find me anywhere and everywhere at I am Randy Z. All right. And on that note, we want to thank you for joining us on this quite lengthy and in-depth conversation about dicks. (laughs) And please, no dick pics. Thank you. Peace. Thank you for subscribing to another episode of Talk 30 to Me. We hope you enjoy it and continue to share it with friends. Make sure you stop by our website at talktheorytome.com for more content and information about the podcast. Rate us on iTunes, and if you really like what you hear, make sure you hit that donate button. Really appreciate it. For Talk Theory to Me, I'm Turg. And I'm Randy Z. Peace. You're supposed to teach them, right? But in the case of my kid, he found out on his own that he could, you know, pull his foreskin back and move it forward and that's phenomenal for him to learn and understand that and that's not only phenomenal but it's helping him hygienically so he doesn't have any more issues he's like look i broke it that's what he said he thought he broke it because it doesn't look like it did when you know it had the the skin over it he thought he broke his penis it was the cutest thing ever it's like broke it fixed it broke it fixed it oh my god but he knows how to pull Pull it back and, and bring it forward. That's hilarious, but you know, I don't know if these podcasts will be around in the next 15, 20 years. But if, if he's able to listen to this, he's I probably gonna hate. He's probably gonna hate you for it. <laughs> but he's a key, he's adorable when he does it. I thought I started dying when he did it, and he started smiling. He thought it was the cutest thing, so he kept doing it. 
So now he does it. I don't know why you yelled this whole time. You're so passionate about penises. I love my penis. <laughs>